little ghost money from our friends X-1 leading us off here on a Tuesday afternoon. Good to have X-1 on the show kicking us off. I love that. Anytime you can anytime you can feature X-1 to kick it off, oh, not only do, uh, do I love that, uh, so do David and Christian. Uh, that's for sure. Our local artists uh, who have some great tunes also, check them out on uh, their multi-social uh, platforms, uh, X minus uh, the number one, if you haven't done so already, and you can hear more of what their music's all about. But great way to start us off, two and a half on a Tuesday afternoon. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you today, and uh, going to be a fun one, Adrian. Looking forward to it, especially with Bobby DeHaro coming into our Lubingo studios this afternoon. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to meet another UTEP minor newcomer for the 22-23 basketball season. we got a good little show lined up for you today. That's right, Steve. Right after Bobby DeHaro, we also got Otis Frazier III, the newest UTEP men's basketball commit. Uh, he's coming to El Paso from George Mason. He'll be helping out the minors as kind of that in-between combo guard forward, uh, and, and it should be interesting to hear from him. And, of course, like you mentioned, the former minor, the Montwood High School graduate, and Bobby DeHaro, who's heading off to Indy later this week to try to get a and earn a roster spot here in the NFL. He's now number three, right? Number three on the list correct that's right all right that's good to know uh very good to know by the way um so today's show will be fast moving we have a lot to talk about today the new york ranger hockey season is practically over uh that is depressing for me and for other ranger fans out there you know who you are you're a short list there's not many of us but there's there's a few in el paso that root for the rangers yeah it's been tough it has been a rough uh series against the penguins Last night, 7-2, to uh, they lose. They're down three games to one. Uh, Adrian, we'll see if this New York team, if the Blue Shirts have any fight left in them, or if uh, this is the end of a great season. And another great example of how when you run into a veteran club in the playoffs, I don't care what the regular season is all about, veterans know how to win when it matters, and the Penguins are just that. They're filled with a bunch of dinosaurs that have ridiculous amounts of playoff experience, and they always seem to turn it up when they need to. Yeah, and it, you know, yesterday you get something from Sidney Crosby. You're getting it from all the vets in the Penguins yesterday, and the way that they were able to beat out the Rangers wasn't even close yesterday, but you're right. I, I feel like series have been a lot more close recently in hockey. We thought that, well, at least I thought, Steve, that uh, the, the Panthers would have a great chance of trying to run away with it against the Caps. Well, yesterday, they tie things up 2-2 in the series. You also look at the game today. I thought Carolina had it against the Bruins, but um, you know Boston's able to tie it over the weekend. That's another example of how experience and being kind of that playoff team uh, in hockey, where when it, when it comes to the postseason, you always have some success. Yeah, the Bruins just showed that, uh, despite the, the Hurricanes uh, you know, showing what they could do in the regular season. They locked it up. It's all tied 2-2 in this series. So yeah, a lot of parity across hockey just unfortunate right now for the Rangers I thought the Rangers would run away with it and uh, you know uh, you know take that series easily depressing when you can't beat a third string goaltender but that yeah. just goes to show you how good the uh, the rest of that uh, you know the rest of that lineup is in Pittsburgh and and, and they've rallied behind uh, their their goalie and hey uh, they're getting it done uh, more credit to them and just goes to show you that the Rangers have been to the playoffs in five years and uh, they got a lot of work to do uh, whether it's to try to come back and win this series and win three in a row 
or better yet, uh, you know, show that regular season victories mean something when it comes to the playoffs. Because what good is it winning all those games if you get ousted in the first round? Yeah, but it's going to be very difficult to try to win three in a row. I mean, you could even uh, just, you know, you could look across other uh, playoff action right now in other sports and just see how difficult that is. But, you know, for the Rangers, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to come out of this one right here, Steve. I also look uh, over to, in tonight's games, all t- all series are tied tonight, yep. whether it be on the east side or the west side of the of the conference. It's real interesting right now, but it just shows you how much parity is involved in, bas- in, uh, in hockey right now. Other than the Avalanche and Predators, uh, every series is good right now. A Rangers series is, is, is great if you're a Pens fan. It's awful if you're a Rangers fan. And look, I thought this would be the case, and I'll say it again. I think that third overtime loss uh, in that in that first game to the Penguins really took the air out of the sails of the of the Rangers. I know they came back in one game too, but you know then they go down three uh, one. Now they lose both games to Pittsburgh, and uh, that that game was a killer for them. You know, um, and it's tough because there's controversy. There was that goal that was disallowed with three minutes left to go in the game that would have given them the win. But hey. That's that's sports, man. You got to be able to you got to battle from adversity. You can't just let it get the best of you. And part of me feels like it did. So, you know, well, you could also think that first game was kind of robbed from you, just like you're saying right there with the, with the Rangers. It, it felt robbed from them. And that first goal game of been... a seven game series, Adrian. You got to I mean, regardless. Say they got screwed, which I think they did. You got to show a little fight. You got to come back. Get six games left. You can't just let yourself go after one game. No, you're definitely right. Hey, you played two games right there in that triple True. overtime game. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. You got to show some fight if you're in New York right now down the stretch. Meanwhile, look what happened in the NBA last night. That's another interesting story line uh Celtics get a huge performance and uh, and they beat Giannis and there's a lot of talk out of uh, Milwaukee right now with that series tied two games apiece and the Celtics winning 116-108 that Giannis is having trust issues with the rest of his team I mean you look at that lineup that Milwaukee has that is a you know that's a a, a team that's built to win a title yet right now um, what good is it scoring 34 points and having 18 rebounds if you don't trust the rest of your team? And I feel like sometimes with Giannis, in big game moments, he tries to do everything himself. And Adrian, right now, Giannis needs he needs he needs to trust his team. He has to because otherwise, you know what? Boston's going to come back and win this series. Yeah, but I, I do have issues with Drew Holiday. I mean, attempting 22 shots yesterday and only making five. I mean, he just he couldn't make a shot. And even though you're getting production from Brooke Lopez, you're not getting enough from your supporting cast. And, and the bottom line with Milwaukee over all of this is they're missing Chris Middleton, yep. their second-best player right beside Giannis Antetokounmpo. He plays, 30, uh, he plays 41 minutes yesterday, has 32 attempts. I mean, he's trying to do, like you said, he's really trying to do everything. 34 points, 18 rebounds, but only five assists. I want to see that assist number rise for Giannis like it did uh, when we saw in Game 4 and the Milwaukee Bucks actually taking that win. I thought Boston stole this one from Milwaukee. I really oh. did. And and the way that Al Horford was able to turn back the clock, uh, he has been awesome in back-to-back games right. in Milwaukee. Yesterday, pouring 30 points and Jason Tatum in the first half looked terrible. In the second half, he turned it up 30 points as well. That's the reason why the Boston Celtics won. 30-8 and eight is huge for Horford. Tatum had another big night. You're right. And you want to know something else? Boston had – they won the fourth quarter. They outscored Milwaukee by 15 on the road. When you put up 43 points in the fourth quarter, you're not going to lose too many games, Adrian. Simple as that. 
most definitely. And I, I, I get real worried when it comes to the rest of this series because I, I believe that Grant Williams has really locked down Giannis defensively, and he creates a lot of problems. Now, when Giannis has his head down and he's driving to the basket, uh, referees are calling that offensive foul against him. So it's making him kind of second-guess some of these drives that he has to the basket. That's why other guys around him really need to step up. I want to see uh, more production offensively from Wesley Matthews or getting more points off the bench from Pat Connaughton, who yesterday scores 11 points in 30 minutes. He's got to be better than that at home. Meanwhile, you can't expect uh, the Grizzlies to win on the road without John Morant. You just can't, and they didn't yesterday. They fell um, by three, 101-98, gave a good effort, Uh, but again, had to lead in the fourth. Warriors won the fourth quarter, won the ball game. And we all know that right now the Warriors are a battle-tested team. Steph had 32. Draymond Green was terrific in this one as well. And, you know, they got so many stars. It's another example, kind of like the Rangers. You know, the Warriors are built for the playoffs. They are. They are built for the playoffs. Memphis has had a really, really nice season. A really nice season. And they're making progress. But, Adrian, they're not there yet. It is simple as that. You watch the way this series has gone. You're seeing a developing team that's going to be a regular playoff team, but they're just not at a level where Golden State is right now, despite a valiant effort which came up short in the fourth yesterday. Yeah, yesterday's game, I thought Memphis should have won it. I mean, going all the way first through third quarter, it seemed like Memphis was really doing whatever it took to actually take this game and win it, and it wasn't until the third quarter where we thought, hey, Memphis can actually win this game. I mean, it was Kyle Anderson making the shots. It was Dylan Brooks who was suspended in game three making shots yesterday and helping his team out defensively. Desmond Bain was was nice from the three point uh you know three point mark. And same with Brandon Clark. But the problem is, like you said, they don't have John Morant when uh the lights are the brightest, when the game matters the most late in the game. Uh they need that that main scorer, that primary scorer who will take them over the hump. And because they didn't have John Morant to turn to, well, yeah, I'm turning to the veteran team in Golden State, who, like you said, is built to win now. They've got all their guys with tons of experience. They're at home at Chase Center. Yeah, this is the Warriors series. They're winning it in five. Um, you know, no John Morant, as as we heard from breaking news from Sham Sharania, yep. uh, with that bone bruise in his knee. That's very unfortunate right there. And on to next year for Memphis, a young, talented bunch, but just not didn't have enough uh, for this postseason. I'm with you on that. So we could talk playoff pucks. We could talk playoff hoops on the show. Uh, Bobby DeHaro is going to join us less than 10 minutes from now and then we've got a busy show today for you a lot of good guests lined up on the program in fact you look at the list Otis Frazier at five Hags at 615 Blake Snell on the bump tonight he'll be uh, wearing 21 the familiar 21 for him and uh, the Chihuahuas tonight in that rehab start so a lot of good things and I believe also uh, Cal Abrams was or CJ Abrams was just sent down today by the Padres to El Paso. So C.J. Abrams will be on his way to El Paso for this homestand. That's big news because we haven't seen him yet. He'll be wearing a Chihuahua's jersey for the first time after spending the first six weeks with the Pods. Yeah, big news right here today. And, of course, Luke Voigt, Will Myers being activated from the injured list. Another news to get I mean, a little nugget for the Chihuahuas. Uh, Trace Thompson was also DFA'd today, uh, as reported earlier by Dennis Lynn. Hey, um, that's okay. That's, you know what? Not a surprise. DFA is okay. We'll see if he clears waivers and comes back to El Paso. That'll be an interesting storyline. Hey, by the way, 
People are sliding into my DMs, Adrian. What nice. have you what have you done? You sent out a tweet earlier and now I'm starting to see people going into my DMs uh based on one of your tweets. In fact, our pal Jason Craig uh is the first that has now slid into my DMs. So, uh explain exactly what you what you what you did earlier on social media and how we're getting DMed by people. Yes, most definitely. So, our radio station, we're looking to hire another assistant producer. Uh talk to uh, a main our main boss today. Try he's been having a lot of difficulty trying to get an assistant board op to be uh along with us on our staff. So, if anybody out there, anybody's interested in becoming a producer working with us on 600 ESPN El Paso, uh slide in our DM Let's see what we could do. Let's see if we could point you in the right direction because uh, we're literally trying to get our candidate pool from zero to at least one. Like, let's get at least one resume out there so we could uh, try to get some candidates out there and try to fill this job opening that we've got here internally. So, well, we have we have one already. We're, we've got one. Good. I'm glad. Let's let's see if we can get another before the show ends. That would be good. Okay. So that is. Part- do you have uh, are your DMs open? My DMs are definitely open. That's right. There you go. So you can uh, slide into Adrian's DMs, and uh, who knows? Maybe end up being um, be a, a producer here on 600 ESPN El Paso. I'll be honest, Steve. The reason we, did, we didn't do this more official is because apparently if you want to make this official, there's a lot of hoops that we've got to jump through. So to make it easy, let's let's hire somebody from our circle, from our Twitter circle, or somebody in our little community here. Does management know you're doing this? 100%. Got it cleared from them. Actually, really? I, went, I went to management asking them, how can I get get somebody on board with us what can we do wow look at you so you actually took the initiative had a boy good That's right we got it we got to take some initiative here do we have another adrian's movie review coming up today oh yeah we definitely do fantastic bobby dejaro looks jacked up he's in our waiting room right now getting ready to come in so we got him in the green room we'll bring him into the lubingo studios uh here in just a moment a ton to talk about Busy show. A lot to get to. We'll do it right now with Charlie One. He is uh, standing by with our first traffic update of the afternoon. 21 past the hour. Welcome back. We've got a pair of former miners here with us right now. Adrian, this is exciting. You know, This is exciting. You're going to love this. I mean, we've got uh, Bobby DeHaro with us. He's in our Lubingo Studios, former UTEP miner. And he's joined also by Josh Ortega, who is another former UTEP miner. So it's good to have you both here. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Uh, good to see you both. How you doing? Doing great. Yeah, I'm excited, too. Uh, we're excited about having you both here, that's for sure. Bobby, let's start with you. Um, first off, congratulations on having an opportunity to uh, to get a chance with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So what it's all about, right? That shot, it's all you want. You want one chance and an opportunity to really make an impression. Yeah, of course. Um, I was telling Adrian this morning that throughout this whole training before the combine pro day um i developed uh, into a different player than what i was in college um i'm way healthier than i've ever been i struggled with injuries in the off seasons and then came back for the season when all that matters but um like i told him i was like i I feel the greatest and healthiest and move the quickest that i've ever had right now what was the key for you to get healthy in your opinion what what has made it is it part luck is it changing your habits and workout routines diet what is it about well i've trained with um the best in the business uh duke manuweather les spillman at sports academy and uh trained with the best players too i trained with charles cross evan neal um, Andrew Stuber, Justin Schaefer, a bunch of guys that got drafted. And they all said college football is a meat grinder. And and that's all it is. I mean, when 
I wasn't playing, doing, doing screen ball, just actually working out, stretching, taking your body, yeah. it makes a big difference. And maybe like kind of like switch my philosophy on everything that I did in college. <laughs> so here's the question, okay? Had you known then what you know now, would you have changed the way you were trying to go about your workouts before, you know, your your UTEP career? Had did you pick up some things now that you wish you would have known over the last 4 or 5 years as you were playing for the minors? Oh, yeah, of course. Um I've learned so much with Duke. Um he's taught me many different techniques. Um even the health wise too, he he uh, he knows how to. He's a good strength and conditioning guy, and it's more like O line specific training, yeah. um, like just balance, core work. And um, when I came to pro day, I I realized them like that it all really paid off because I felt amazing during pro day, and I feel amazing now. That's good. And by the way, it's interesting too because the Colts weren't at your pro day, were you? Were no. they? No, so- but they had called me before the draft, saying I was on their board and just uh, be ready and. Um, yeah, that's what happened. That's interesting. Okay, were there other teams that expressed interest in you as well, or were the Colts the team that probably had the most interest at the time? Um, the Raiders called me, Denver, obviously the Colts. Um, Kugler from Arizona reached out to me, and um, the Miami Dolphins too. Okay, so you had a good group of – I would expect Cougs. I mean, you would think yeah. that, come on, he, he brought you here, and uh, you know he's, he's going to probably follow his former UTEP offensive lineman more than anybody else, right? Yeah, yeah we, uh, we kept in touch a little bit. Um, between the guidelines, and obviously Will Hernandez is up there, and which is mm-hmm. basically mine and Josh's uh, brother. We call ourselves, and uh, um, we stuck together throughout this whole time. And um, you know, Kooks, I feel like had a impact on me getting somewhere. I guess because he wanted to make sure that I get signed. You guys also probably feel that um, Will's going to be unbelievable going back and reuniting with Cougs, right? Because as an offensive line coach, he's one of the best in the business. And if anybody is going to be able to fulfill their potential, it's going to be Will Hernandez out there in, in Phoenix. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and now he has vets of sur- surrounding him. Uh, he has, uh, I think, yeah. the center. Uh, I don't know if I forgot his name. And then he has a good right tackle. And then obviously Pew that plays left guard. And all around they have a solid line. I think when you play people – good people next to you, you you obviously stand out too. Now, your situation with the Colts is unique because I've never known how things work when you're invited to a rookie minicamp, okay? So, you know, Indianapolis is a long ways away from El Paso. And when I asked you during the break, when is uh, rookie camp starting? You said uh, Thursday. I figured out. So you're you're flying out tomorrow to Indianapolis to get ready. And you said it doesn't work like that. (laughs) No, yeah, um... I thought I was gonna fly out Wednesday too because I never, I didn't know I'll pass out a flight to Indianapolis before noon, and I guess the front desk lady at the Colts found one, and uh, yeah, I get there at twelve, uh, well at noon on Thursday, and throughout that day we start rookie minicamp. So there is a rule in the NFL that states you cannot fly into a city the day before rookie minicamp. You have to come in the day of. Yeah, I, I think. Um, that's what uh, the front desk lady told me. Yeah. Um, they'll hold me to it, though, because I, I, w- I, I would rather yeah. f- uh, fly out fr- uh, Wednesday. Yeah, and have, and have a chance to rest. Rest, and then, but, I mean, it's all a business, so. 100%. Yeah. So uh, what time is your flight on Thursday? 5 a.m. Okay, 5 a.m. That means you're probably up at 3. Yeah. Get probably. to the uh, <laughs> airport uh, 3.34 in the morning. And then uh, jet out of five, you get in by noon, and you're actually going straight. Now, here's the thing, okay? You're going to be so jacked up on adrenaline, 
it doesn't even matter if you don't sleep, right? You know this is your shot, and no matter what happens, you're making the most of it. It's just crazy that it's going to be such a that I mean that day is going to be unbelievable for you Thursday. Oh yeah, um, but uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I don't blame you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I was getting kind of worried for these these past few days after the draft because I wasn't getting no calls or anything. Then finally, when the today happened, I was like, I've been waiting. I've been still been working out. Been uh, conditioning, been doing all my online stuff, and good. After today, like finally, I'm like, all right, let's go. It's time to go. Okay, so uh, rookie minicamp starts Thursday. Does it go through Sunday? No, actually, and Saturday, and I'll be back here in El Paso Saturday night. Okay, and then then you'll find out after the fact if you have a chance to come and and uh, compete for a, a spot at training camp, right? Uh, yeah, and it's, even if I um, don't get signed by the coach, like it just puts my name out there. I'm in the I'm in the bubble now, hundred percent, and um, it just exposes me to uh, all the other teams, and I just got to show out what I have right now because, like I said, I feel the healthiest and quickest I've ever been. Now, you're the third minor we know of that's been invited to an NFL rookie minicamp. You had Darda Lee also uh, along with Quadrez Wadley. Those were the other two. There's three minors also that are still waiting for their calls, and we're kind of hoping that that's what happens with uh, Justin Garrett, uh, Walter Neal Jr., and then also uh, Davion Inyang, three guys that to me were unbelievable minors and should have absolutely have a chance to try to make an NFL roster. Uh, yeah, of course. That's what I was kind of just like worrying about like why isn't UTEP getting getting calls like why aren't any of the players getting calls and I was just like on my mind like why 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 so I feel like I feel like these past years their seasons kind of hurt us but this year since we started uh, winning and con- they're going to continue to win I feel like more more and more UTEP will be on the map in the NFL with the NFL yeah but at the same time look at the losing teams and what they produced okay teams weren't winning you had Will Hernandez second round pick Nick Needham, unsigned NFL draft pick who now is a regular with the Dolphins. So I get what you're saying about why isn't the phone ringing when they're winning, but even the losing minors were still getting guys an opportunity to play on Sundays. So to me, it shouldn't matter whether you win or lose. If you've got athletes that are capable of playing on Sundays, that should be a a, a given no matter what the team's record is on the field. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, um, everybody that's in the draft class with uh, UTEP, I mean – they contributed really, real a lot to us winning last year. That's right. Um, I'm sure JG, all the guys would get a shot. I'm not worried about that because you know you saw the you saw the performance they had on the field. So I have, I have no problem. I don't think they'll have a problem getting in. Bobby, could you explain the little bubble that you talked about when you get the invite to any NFL team to join the rookie uh, mini camp? What what's the the importance behind that, and why would you want that? Uh, cause it just means that you're in, like you, you're in it, you're, you're in a team, there's film on you. Um, you're exposed, coaches talk around, um, word goes around. So once you're in, you're kind of like, okay, I, you're in that pool of players that people, that teams can pick out from. And even if I don't get signed by Indianapolis, um, there's still a possibility that any team around the NFL can call for any a camp and, um, practice squad or any of that. So. Um, obviously, that's not what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming to, obviously, I want to play, and I'm going to do everything I can to get that spot. So rookie minicamp is huge. I mean, that is that is your foot in the door, and after rookie minicamp, anything can happen. Yeah, of course. It's just it's just uh, camp for three days. You have to learn the playbook, go through drills, um, and it's long, grueling. And um, I talked to Greg Long. He used to play here at UTEP, and he went to Purdue, and he actually had a – 
uh, Kansas City um, rookie minicamp, and he said that it was it's long and grueling. Yeah. And um, so that's what I'm expecting. Have you talked to Darda yet about uh, his experience, or it hasn't happened yet? Uh, no, it's this weekend. But okay. we, we talked throughout the whole time. We're making sure everything's good and how's everything going. Awesome. All right. Uh, more with Bobby, more with uh, Josh Ortega as we continue here on Sports Talk. Bottom of the hour, though, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. Continue right now with the former UTEP Miners, uh, Bobby DeHaro, uh, Josh Ortega, uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. So, Bobby, it sounds like for you, Thursday is going to be unbelievable. A couple of days. Uh, have you ever been to Indianapolis before? Is this going to be your first time? First time. Any idea how many guys get invited to rookie minicamp? Um, it can be from six players. to the, Well, obviously the people that get drafted. Yep. And then the extras, it can be up to like five. It can be up to 15. It can be up to 30. It matters what the team, how many people, how many people the team are bringing. But so, and have you have they given you any indication yet on how many will be there, or you don't really know yet? No, not until you show up. No. Okay, that's fine. You don't really care, do you? Just, yeah, I just go out there and show up. Exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. Now, uh, if you had to talk about what you've really, you know, you've learned all these years at UTEP that will prepare you for this, what would you say is your biggest takeaway? Um, just the mental toughness that um, Coach Simmons and Coach Shad brought. Um, as like in practice with Coach Simmons and then strength and conditioning with Coach Shad. And um, I've talked to players who around the country and they say that um, their strength conditioning is like kind of like, like it's hard, but I feel like Coach Shad's um, program is the hardest. <laughs> um, it was way harder than um, in Cougars um, um, coaching staff. And I feel like that prepared me to just push through everything I can and, um, and I feel like also last year, it seemed like everybody was healthy for the most part, don't you? Like when you really look at the way this team played, you didn't have to battle as many injuries as you had the previous uh, seasons. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, we lost uh, Justin Prince there. Um, that took a hit, a huge hit on us. But yeah. as an offense, you know, we we had depth as a, at every position. And um, now I feel like it's going to add uh, – travel on to next year in the coming years now you brought josh with you i didn't realize that you guys go all the way back to when you were kids yeah we go back yeah. to middle school we've done everything together so um after this we're about to go work out so i was like let's go yeah. get a workout in. <laughs> josh when did you first uh, get a chance to meet bobby you remember i think we were playing a little league game uh against each other i was a quarterback left-handed quarterback <laughs> and he was a defensive lineman and I just remember him breaking through the line and sacking me, and then we've been friends ever since. <laughs> that's a good introduction, right? Yeah. To let him let him try to yeah. come through and, and sack you. That that's pretty cool. So you guys go all the way back to when you were kids, um, and you're still close uh, right now, which is cool. What does it mean for you knowing that uh, one of your best friends now has an opportunity to try to play on Sundays? Well, it's something we've always talked about since we were younger, and I knew he had the potential that a lot of people didn't have. And there's other factors that other players don't have. I feel like he has is like the mental toughness and the loyalty to the game because playing at UTEP for five years and having four losing seasons, not wanting to transfer, not wanting to like quit or give up, and then seeing the end product at the end with going to a bowl game and having a winning season, I think that's what made us even closer was knowing, okay, we're going to stick together no matter what. We're going to grind this out, and then we're going to wait for the outcome in the end, and we got the outcome we wanted. I'll tell you what else is really impressive, guys. First off, your local products, okay? So you played your high school ball here, grew up in El Paso, um, and you stuck it out. You're you talking about mental toughness. I agree with you. You wanted to see this thing through to a bowl game, which you had your opportunity, and you had a chance to win the game. Let's be honest. You had a chance to win. That's important. But I look at this team and this program that uh, Coach Dimmel's building. You don't see a lot of guys in the portal like you do other places. People that are here are staying here. Uh, that really says something, doesn't it? 
Yeah, like our last year, we had talked to the team at the end of the season, me and Bobby. He talked to the offense, I talked to the defense. First thing I told them, I've been here longer than anybody in this room, including coaches and staff and players. I've seen thousands of people walk in and out the door. And the reason UTEP is what it is today is because people like hold each other accountable and we stick through the hard times. And now that um, these players that came in have seen that, it's no doubt in my mind we'll have another winning season next season. That's huge. It really is, as we continue right now with Josh Ortega. Yes, Adrian? Yeah, I wanted to ask you both. I mean, what does it mean to just do this for El Paso and kind of for the city? I mean, uh, Bobby, when, when I was, uh, spoke to you after the pro day, it seemed like you had a, a bunch of family members there. You had a lot of friends in attendance. And to do this uh, and also know that you know both of you guys did it coming out of Montwood High School from El Paso, I mean, it, it must make it even more special right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's – has been a born and raised uh, uh, player in the NFL. I, I can I don't know if there is or ever has been, um, and that's what I'm mostly proud of. You know, I'm just trying to put kind of like what Aaron Jones did. He 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 was obviously he was raised here, and he put El Paso on the map. More people, more people are starting to get to know this place, and this is a very special city. And people who come here, people say they're not, everybody's nice, and um, and I've been around, and El Paso is just the safest and a nicest city I've been around. Oriented, very family oriented. Yeah. Plus it also goes to show you guys that if you get some of the best players locally out of high school here, you can develop into starters and potentially have a chance to, to play in the NFL. Yeah. There's a bunch of talent in El Paso. That's, um, that's why I feel like El Paso get looks down on with their athletes because you don't ever see, you get one in, a, I guess one in a 15 that get offered by big 10, uh, power five schools. And, um, but I feel like, there's lots of talent here that can play in any. Um, I've always felt uh, El Paso so big, and people don't realize it. I would think we have 30 plus high schools, so it's all that talent spread out. So it makes it even more difficult to stand out as a player when you don't have that well of people like surrounding you. Yeah. But luckily for us, coming out of Montwood, we had us and we had Warren Reddicks too, and we had uh, other guys out of Montwood that made us look really good and winning programs too. Now, Josh, uh, first off, if you can get into the microphone a little closer, that'd be great. Uh, I want you to tell our listeners what you're going to be doing now. So um, unlike Bobby, who's getting an opportunity now to try to uh, you know, stick in the NFL with the Colts, you told us, even when you were here last, that you were almost looking beyond your football career and looking to pursue things in the, uh, in the business world. Uh, tell everybody what you're going to be up to. You know, I've, uh, I've always wanted to not use football as my only way out. And when I realized I didn't want to keep playing after college, I had looked into other um, jobs and careers. And what really stuck to me was athlete marketing and NIL deals with uh, college players. And I had a, I've gotten a job with this guy out of Pittsburgh named Jordan Rooney, who uh, focuses specifically on that. And my plan now is to uh, like Bobby said, Will Hernandez is one of our best friends, and I'm planning on doing his local marketing here in El Paso and out in Arizona, too, and uh, gaining exposure for Mexican-American players because uh, demographically it's a very small percentage in the NFL, and but the fan base is extremely big. Like There's so many Mexican-American football fans out there, but not a lot of Mexican-Americans to root for. So now that Bobby and Will are making a name for themselves in the NFL, uh, I know they want to up their marketing, and that's something I want to do too. So I want to stick with the football and business world. I think it's phenomenal. Now, are you going to stay in El Paso or are you going to be moving? I'm going to move to Phoenix, Okay, about like 10 minutes away from Will. 
That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you get to be with your buddy, mm-hmm. get a chance to see, reunite with Coach Coogs and, mm-hmm. and see the cards. And Phoenix is a great place to live and have a chance mm-hmm. to make it for yourself now in the sports marketing world. I love that. Yeah, that's uh, something I had talked to you guys about, too, and asked about your job. And that's why uh, it's something that's always been a big interest to in me. I'm going to be mentored by his financial advisor, too, and hopefully make more connections. And Nice. You, know. you put a smile on Adrian's face right now when he heard that. Hey, we news. got an opening, Josh. <laughs> yeah, know, assist, assistant producer. Anywhere. Although I don't know if it's going to pay as much as what uh, Josh is going to be doing right now in Phoenix with uh, you know with Will. That's that's going to be a little tough. We'll to have beat our that. T- our people talk to your people. Yeah, pe- people is more important than money sometimes. So maybe. Oh, I love it. I love it, uh, guys. Before I wrap it up, each of you, uh, give me one thing that I guess you're most grateful from all your years at UTEP playing football for the Miners. Uh, Bobby, I'll start with you then, Josh. What would you say you're most grateful as your career came to an end? Um, I'm grateful for everything, honestly. Uh, the coaches, um, my teammates. Um, I mean, the times I've had, even the losing seasons we had, but the times I've had there were probably the greatest I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And um, Like I said, Demo is gonna, has that program running very well. Um, I see a bright future. Obviously, you got extended, right, yeah. for another year. Two years, that's right. Two years, and, um, you know, it's gonna, it was going to take time for him to develop, and I feel like he's finally got what he wanted, and it's going to turn into something great here at UTEP. So I'm excited to see that. But I'm just grateful for the, the fans, the city, um, UTEP in general, and, you know, something I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Awesome. How about you, Josh? Something that meant a lot to me was uh, the friendships and the people I met, even though it's, it is my city. Uh, I met a lot of people in and out of UTEP the past five years, and they're like amazing people. I don't think me and Bobby would be sitting here together today if we had both gone to different universities. You know, we would have never met Will if we got into different universities. We wouldn't we wouldn't be here today for the people that God brought into our lives coming to UTEP. And to me, it's UTEP's a great decision. So any local athlete or non-local athlete that wants to come. You know, it pays off in the end. You know what I love the most is not only the two of you guys, you know, best friends, but both of your careers, you're doing exactly what you wanted to do. Bobby, you're getting a chance to pursue your dream playing in the NFL. And Josh, you're getting a chance to pursue your dream right now, which is staying in sports, but away from the NFL and the marketing aspect of it. And I think you guys both have incredible futures, and I'm excited to see where this goes over the next five to ten years. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate you. Um, I guess we've been together forever, and I'm excited to see where he goes because he has an open mind and really motivated to do really, really what he wants. And, uh, you know, these past few weeks, I was kind of, like, thinking about, like, if I wasn't going to get my shot, what was going to happen, thinking about my future. But, obviously, I have my um, degree to ba- uh, back off on and um, something that we can do something in the future with my finance degree. Good for you. All right, guys, best of luck to both of you, thank and we you. appreciate you being here today. Yeah, no, yeah, thank, thank you so much. You. you got it. That's, uh, again, Josh Ortega, Bobby DeHara with us here as Sports Talk continues. 43 pass, take a break, come back with more. 600 at ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. 51 past the hour. And since we've got a busy next 90 or so with you here on Sports Talk before the Chihuahuas come back on at 6.30, let's get our movie review in with Adrian Broaddus. What did you watch last night, Adrian? I, I watched The Outsiders. Uh-huh. Uh, also sticking to the list, uh, it was next up on the list. This one uh, came out in 1983. A lot of A-listers in this movie. But kind of when they were up-and-comers as I was doing some research on this movie after the fact, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, Patrick Swayze, Matt Dillon, those are some of the ones that I've 
I've got on my list. I'm sure there are more that you could probably name, Steve. Uh, this is a drama film that you could watch. Uh, it it involves. It's kind of like if Grease meets Stand By Me. That's there how I would I would kind of uh, you know describe this one. Follows a group of greasers. The Soches or the uh, the Soches are the rival gang. Uh, my favorite character is Pony Boy. Basically, uh, they they uh, this is a teen gang out and it's set in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Greasers are always trying to fight the Soches and uh, that's their rival group. There's a death that goes on in, uh, between one of the social members and uh, the boys actually have to go out and hiding. I'm talking about Pony Boy and Johnny. They go out and hiding because of all of this. Uh, then after all of this, they have to go out and, and kind of, you know, Accept the consequences that they've they've uh, had in life, whether it's all the the ruckus that they've caused, the little drama, all this. There was basically a, a big death that everybody's trying to investigate, and the Greasers just try to redeem themselves. The whole story, rest of the story is their quest for redemption, trying to clear their name and, and re- reestablish credibility. I give this one 7 out of 10 bananas. Very solid film. I was worried. I was skeptical, too, going into this one. Saw the rating, saw the year it came out, saw what uh, free subscription TV uh, uh, streaming platform <laughs> it was on, on Fubo TV, and I was a little skeptical, but I left, uh, you know, thinking it was a pretty solid movie. You know, That's I would I'd recommend this one. Seven out of ten bananas. You know what's weird about this movie? Patrick Swayze was born in 52, so he was already like 31 when this movie came out. Oh, that's weird. But he always played a younger character throughout uh, the 80s, so you have no idea that Swayze was as old as he was because you always think he was a he was a youngster just like everybody else, but he's kind of like that Ralph Macchio, that guy that was always about 8 to 10 years older in reality than what he played in films. That's a creepy role to always be playing in uh, different films, but I remember him from Point Break. He was yep. fantastic in Point Break, so uh, I'll side with him on, on this one in The Outsiders. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Very nicely done. By the way, he was also in Donnie Darko. Love that one, too. Uh, Patrick Swayze was in a million movies, and, and we lost him years ago, but uh, good for you. Seven out of ten bananas for The Outsiders. Nice way for us to end our one of three here on the program. Hey, when we come back, one of the newest members of the UTEP men's basketball team. I say one of because who knows? Maybe somebody else is coming on board. Otis Frazier will be joining us next as Sports Talk continues. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We continue our UTEP basketball preview when we get a chance to Sit down with the newest members of the Utah basketball roster. And uh, Adrian, let's be honest. This next guest is one that wasn't on our radar at all. And that's what I love about him. I love the fact that we're going to meet somebody that just kind of came into play for the first time on Saturday without really any uh, any heads up or warning. It's 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 fun when we get this kind of news. Yes, and this Division One transfer in particular uh, plays a very versatile position, kind of that combo guard forward position, which is so interesting because he could be kind of an in-between guy playing a 3-4 or whatever. But based on what we've seen so far from his time at George Mason, seems like he could bring a lot to UTEP. So let's welcome in uh, Otis Frazier III uh, to the program right now as Sports Talk uh, continues. Otis, welcome uh, to the program. Welcome to uh, El Paso and UTEP. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, We're doing well. 
First question for you, Otis, is how'd you do it? How did you how'd you just come out of nowhere on Saturday and uh, nobody even knew you were uh, you were coming to UTEP, let alone committing to the Miners? How did it happen? Uh, so I had been talking to Coach for a while. Um, me and Coach Boykins had gotten really close. Um, I, my AU team, I played for Compton Magic. Um, they knew Coach Boykins, and, you know, it was just a very – we've been talking for days, and, I wanted to get on a visit. They wanted to get me on a visit, and you know, I got to El Paso, um, and I felt like it was the right situation for me. Um, I loved the city. Uh, the people were there were so friendly. Um, uh, the facilities, everything about them, I just felt like it was the right situation for me. Um, so I ended up just committing on spot because that's how sure I was of their situation very nice i like that all right so you played your au ball for compton magic which you talked about um and what was it like growing up in arizona because uh you grew up in you know in buckeye arizona for people that don't know and uh when you were a kid did you play a lot of basketball or did you play other sports tell me a little bit about what it was like over there uh so actually i was born in nebraska um i uh moved around a lot i've been in Austin, Dallas, uh, Arizona, Maryland. I've kind of been one of those kids that's been everywhere. Um, growing up, you know, I was more of a I was more of a football guy. Um, you know, I had I had a love for football at first, um, and then I got introduced to basketball around my freshman year of high school, and I fell in love with it. Um, and I decided to just go that route, um, and that's kind of just what it was. Um, my dad he played at Butler, um, so I had I had that the knowledge from him to be able to get where I am at today. How'd your dad play college hoops, and it took you to your freshman year to start playing basketball? I figured you would have had a, a ball coming out of the womb, Otis. Uh, tell me. Uh, my dad played football, too. It was just, you know, I was in Texas, and as we know, Texas is more of a football state rather than a basketball state. So That's a good answer. I got kind of influenced by that. Makes a lot of sense, but uh, so you, yeah. you, you got the basketball as a, you know, as a freshman, and all of a sudden you start playing more and more, and uh, it's interesting because you you went from Buckeye Union High School, where you, you took them all the way to the semis a few years ago, and your AAU ball at Compton Magic, and then you go to Mount Zion Prep. Now t- that's a prestigious prep school for people that that don't know, and we've heard of Mount Zion. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was a great experience playing against uh, Division One players every day, um, practicing with coaches that were coaching us like we were already on the college level. Um, it gave me it gave me a lot of things to take into college. Um, uh, just being prepared for putting more weight on and knowing how to play the game, making right reads, and just and then on top of that, I moved two thousand miles away from home. So being away from my family, being able to take life lessons as well, um, being a man. And so I took a lot out of it. Otis, who are some of those players that you went up against or competition that we might remember or recognize the name? Uh, that Since you said you guys were going up against some big names, uh, big name competition in that, it, back when you were playing prep hoops. Uh, so we played uh, We played a national schedule. So we played guys. Um, we played guys like Terrence Clark, uh, rest in peace. You know, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, uh, we played Brewster. We played, uh, what was the school called? We played a lot of division one guys, but, uh, I think Terrence Clark was the most, uh, the biggest, highest recruit we played that year. Um, he was going to the NBA and unfortunately he passed away, um, a couple of years ago. 
Man. Uh, meanwhile, also, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Obi Toppin play at Mount Zion uh, a couple of years before you arrived? Yeah, I will be playing at uh, Mount Zion, uh, I want to say, two years before me. Um, I had got to, I got the chance to actually meet him um, at Dayton because he uh, was playing Dayton versus George Mason, coincidentally, um, and I was on my visit to Mason. Oh, wow. Um, so I got to meet him, got a chance to talk to him, great guy, uh, loved his energy. He, he puts on a show every time he gets on the court. Otis Fraser III uh, with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Now, he is the newest uh, UTEP minor. In fact, um, when I see the 6'6", 212, um, you know, listed height and weight for you, the, the immediate thing I think of is uh, you can play a, you know, a variety of positions. you got a, a tremendous wingspan, terrific size, you're well built. You tell me. Uh, I know you've, you've been playing sparingly at George Mason these first couple of years. What, what position are you most comfortable in, uh, Otis? Uh, I like being on the wing. You know, I'm a perimeter guy. Um, I can get down there and bang with the big guys too, as well. Um, I'm trying to. I'm going to lose some weight this year. I'm probably going to be around 205, um, just to get uh, back to the wing and do what I got to do. But if coach needs me to play somewhere else, um, I'm willing to do it, whatever for the team. Have you stopped growing? Uh, is six six going to be your max height, or could we possibly squeeze another inch or two out of you before it's all said and done? Uh, we probably could squeeze an inch or two. Uh, I don't think I'm done growing just yet. I like that. Uh, by the way, uh, it's interesting that you told me you want to get down to, to 205 from 212. Did you find that when you played at that at that 212 weight or so, you were doing more banging down low when you were in? Is that kind of the role they had for you? Yeah, I was kind of the guy that goes in and, you know, uh, does the dirty work. So, you know, I had to put on a little more weight. Um, now I'm still going to be doing the dirty work here uh, at Paso, but, you know, just being back where I'm able to move a little faster, jump as high, just doing those things. Um, when I got when I got Mason as a freshman, I actually weighed around like 185. So I put on a lot of weight. Um, I didn't think my body was kind of used to it. So I'm kind of trying to get back down to my my original weight, kind of. I understand. Uh, Otis Frazier III with us here on Sports Talk, the newest uh, UTEP minor, who's part of that uh, 2022-23 class. Uh, Otis, tell me this, and uh, I'm interested uh, in, in your answer, really. Uh, how much do you know about UTEP as you were talking to Coach Boykins and then later Coach Golding? Uh, I actually know a little bit. You know, uh, my uh, from, from the Glory Road, obviously, everyone knows about Glory Road. I've seen the movie, you know about it. Um, you know all the history behind the school. Um, and on that Glory Road team, uh, there were some players on the team that were actually from my uh, father's hometown, Gary, Indiana, who, which my grandma and grandpa knew, kind of grew up in the same city. Um, so I, I knew a little bit about it, um, but, you know, getting there and starting to figure out the new information that coach was telling me, you could see all the, the tradition and everything that is with the school. That's terrific. And by the way, uh, with Coach Boykins and, and, and his long career in the NBA and when he was, uh, you know, playing uh, guard for so many years, how much of, uh, you know, did that also help you out a little bit as you started to get to know him more? You realize, you know what, I've got somebody recruiting me that, that's been a long time playing in the NBA. How big was that for you? Uh, it's huge to have an NBA a coach who actually played and did it all because, you know, he's one of those guys you can relate to have conversations with, you know, uh, and obviously from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I, he can obviously improve my game. Um, I'm a wing, but, you know, he has those point guard skills to teach me things that, you know, that I don't know as of yet. Um, so, And he also has connects to the NBA and has things that can, you know, 
help us all. So um, obviously it was that was a major thing talking to him and him recruiting me. So it was it was very big. I noticed you're a player that really hasn't been given a chance yet. That was the first thing I took away because as a freshman, you averaged eight minutes a game. As a sophomore, you pretty much averaged eight minutes a game. So you really have never had the opportunity to see the floor for extended minutes on a regular basis. And it kind of makes me wonder, what kind of numbers will you start to produce when you get to 20, 20 20-plus minutes a game? Uh, yeah, so my freshman year, I actually, you know, I had surgery before the season had started, so I kind of, um, you know, I was kind of just getting my feet in back as a freshman. You know, I hadn't really played on that level yet, so coach was kind of just trying to wind back in slowly, which I completely understood. Um, the next year, unfortunately, the coach that was there got fired, who recruited me, um, and a new one came in. So it was kind of just a new role. Um, and I was trying to do what was best for the team. But, you know, I feel like I'm one of those guys who I'm a very confident guy myself. Uh, I know the work I put in. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to work. And, you know, I feel like if I'm working, then there's nothing that can really go wrong. I'll tell you what else I love about you. You're well-spoken. Now we could tell right out of the gate, and you seem mature beyond your years. I like that, too. And it's funny because a lot of these UTEP players we've been talking to, part of this class, they're all this, they, they all feel like they're the same, very, very mature, well-spoken, and people that, that you could tell are, are a little more advanced in that regard, and, and I'm excited about that because if your basketball game is as good as how you handle an interview, I think you're going to do just fine. Yeah, you got to have mature guys on the college on the college level, you know. Um, obviously, uh, I think we have a couple of freshmen. We have one freshman or two. Um, I haven't got to meet all the guys yet. I'm very excited to to get there and get to work, and I think all the other guys are too. Now, minor fans are going to want the scouting report from Yotis, so let's uh, start with the defensive side of the ball. How would you describe your play defensively? Uh, defensively, defensive, defensively, uh, you know, defense is the most important thing um, in basketball. Not a lot of people will agree, but uh, defense is the most important thing. Um, and I think that I can guard one through five. I've had the experience of guarding fives and fours, and then growing up in high school, Mount Zion, I guarded the wing. So I've always been one of those guys to guard the best player, um, and I'm trying to get back to that. All right, um, and uh, what about the offensive side of the ball? Since you know, I, I see the numbers, and, and you averaged, uh, you know, you didn't have a you didn't have a ton of minutes. Let's be honest. You averaged two point seven points and two boards a game, but in in seven point eight minutes. So if I multiply that out by three or four, now suddenly uh, you know you're a ten point eight rebound a game guy. So tell me a little bit about what your offensive game is like, especially since you shot fifty seven and a half percent from the field last season. Uh, so me personally, you know, I, I have a good size to myself. I know how to use my strength um, and get to the basket. Um, that's never really been a problem for me. My jump shot has gotten way better um, from my freshman year to my sophomore year, just being in the gym, getting shots up every night. Um, so I think you can expect a lot. I'm a very versatile player. I can post up. I can hit shots, um, get to the rim, get to the free throw line. I think you you can expect a lot from me from the offensive side as well. You mentioned the uh, surgery you had prior to your freshman year. What what procedure did you have done at that point? Um, I had heart surgery, actually. I had an emblazon. Um, an emblazon is um, I had an extra heartbeat, and they had to go in and cut it because it was kind of like, I don't know if you guys know the guy from uh, Florida who had a similar situation. Uh, he passed out on the court. Um, so I was dealing with that for about six to eight months, and, you know, I wasn't able to work out. They didn't want me to 
you know, get hurt or, you know, do anything that could uh, put myself in danger. So, uh, you know, it was a blessing that I'm able to even play basketball, and I, I look at it like that every day, so. I was going to say, Otis, that's that's the kind of situation where I'm sure some people, you're probably wondering, will this be the end of my basketball career? So the fact that you're able to have the procedure, continue uh, playing ball, and now grow into what uh, potentially could be, uh, you know, have a much bigger role here at UTEP, that's got to be a huge opportunity for you. Yeah, it's a blessing. You know, I look at it like that every day, you know, because, you know, my freshman year, I thought it, it could have been over. You know, I didn't, who would have known what I would have been doing right now if it was, so. I look at it like that every single day. Otis, you told us about, I guess, your your uh, your past uh, coaches at George Mason and different things like that. Uh, fans don't like the transfer portal at UTEP. However, if it weren't for the transfer portal, you wouldn't have an opportunity to, to play with the Miners and commit over here to UTEP. Uh, what, what's your take on the transfer portal and how crazy it's been? Uh, so, honestly, I had no idea of the transfer portal. Um, you know, uh, my freshman year, uh, it kind of had started to blow up. Uh, I knew about it. Um, but just looking at it now and knowing how many players are in it, uh, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of it, you know, but um, it's definitely going to change the game of college basketball. Um, obviously, I'm blessed to even be a minor today, but, you know, I'm going to come in with the same work ethic I've had uh, and win some games and try to win some games for UTEP. That's, that's really all it is. Now, Otis, uh, I hate to break this to you, but there's uh, at least one other player on the roster that wears number five, the number you had at, at George Mason. So, uh, you know, uh, Shamar Givens, the point guard from uh, George, uh, actually from Evansville, he's a number five. Yeah. So are you open to uh, other numbers? And uh, if so, what are some of the other numbers you've worn uh, during your basketball career? Actually, I've already had that conversation with those guys, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Shamar. I'm actually going to choose. I'm probably going to wear number 13. That's the number I wanted to wear in college anyway. So oh, that's uh, good. getting back to number 13 is probably what I'm going to do. Well, that's good. I hope 13 is good for you. And don't worry, Shamar's only here for one year, so then you could possibly get five <laughs> back after that and then uh, go from there. Or maybe you get 13, which is what you wanted, and uh, you keep it and you become that UTEP number 13, which would be fine for minor fans. Yeah, I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't think I can even remember a 13 on the UTEP basketball roster over the years. So, Otis, you've got a chance to carve out a nice little legacy for you with uh, number 13 at UTEP. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. All right, listen. Good job. We appreciate the time. Look forward to to meeting you face-to-face when you come into town this summer here in El Paso. Can't wait to meet you guys as well. Thanks again, Otis. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Otis Fraser III uh, joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. 18 past, plenty more to get to, but first let's go to Charlie Wan, who's got this traffic update. Welcome back, 24 past, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Our telephone number is 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Our thanks to Otis Fraser III. For joining us on the program, Adrian. I don't know about you, but every one of these guys we're interviewing, all the, uh, all, you know, everyone that essentially uh, has been on the show, probably with the exception of uh, Jamal Sumlin, just because he's still in high school and uh, coming to El Paso as a true freshman. But all the, uh, you know, all of the D one transfers that uh, the Myers have been getting out of the portal, everybody sounds like they're seasoned vets and pros. It's it's so interesting because they've all handled interviews uh, in, in in great fashion great way and 
It's probably the most mature bunch of basketball players we've had on the air in a while. Yeah, and I know that fans, I mean, we even had one today, Steve. Fans want players who are like the splash guys, who are coming from your big schools, yep. who have had stars or who are rated as a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. Bottom line is, Joe Golding, it doesn't really matter to him as far as how many stars you had coming into this team, what where you played at, anything like that. He's, he's trusting his player evaluation. It seems like he's trusting Earl Boykins a ton. Well, with uh, speaking to some of these recruits and, and going out and trying to find the best talent out there. And he doesn't really buy into any of the stars or the ratings and things like that. So I wrote about this today because I wrote about on the website at 600ESPNLPaso.com how Joe Golding is essentially molding this roster to his uh, personality and his style of ball. And I feel like these are going to be a bunch of guys that aren't splash guys. They aren't the three, four, five-star recruits like UTEP has had. Well, really, I shouldn't say five stars, but let's just go with three and four-star recruits because the Miners have had three and four-star players over the last decade plus. And it's interesting because I don't want to compare this to Haskins because that's not fair. It's not fair for Joe Golding, and it's not fair for those past teams that did so well at UTEP when Don Haskins had that great run in the 80s. But the point we made, and we talked about this yesterday in the last hour of the show near the end of the program, the point of this whole conversation is that you don't have to have flash. You don't have to have splash in order to win and and, uh, have a chance to go to to the tournament. You know, when Joe Golding was at Abilene Christian, his team then beat Texas. His team didn't have a roster full of NBA players. In fact, didn't have a, didn't have a roster full of anybody that anybody even knew who they were. It was not no household name. They were all no names. And yet, there was a team that had played together for a couple of years, did really well, and knew their roles, and fit in, and became seasoned vets. Now, I'm not going to say that the 22-23 Utah basketball team is going to the NCAA tournament and is going to you know, be a 25-win team the way the Miners were in 1987 with Don Haskins. But I loved that example, and I included it in my story today. Because even though you had a young Tim Hardaway and a young Antonio Davis, who were freshmen and sophomores at the time, and both went on to play in the NBA, and obviously Hardaway now a, uh, a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, they were not the main role players in 87. It was Jeep Jackson. It was Mike Richmond. It was Chris Sandal. It was Chris Blocker. It was uh, Soup Campbell and Quinton Gates. And if you think about it, none of those guys play in the NBA. But they were great college players who were perfect on this 87 team. In fact, the 1986-87 Miners did not have a single player who averaged more than 12.9 points per game. And, and, and again, that was just one of those examples. You could look at other years in the 80s when Don Haskins had a bunch of guys that were averaging 10, 11 a game, and he didn't have any big scoring guys. He just had incredible balance. He had incredible depth. And he had a team of guys that played the way he wanted them to play. It is his style of ball. That's what it was. Intense defense, could score, could make shots, could do what they needed to do. And, you know, that's the interesting thing about what Joe Golding is building right now, Adrian. Because if you think about it, last couple of years, if Bryson Williams was off or Sule Boom was off, or Kennedy or Biennemi, they struggled. They relied so heavily on those guys game in, game out, 
that if they didn't deliver, there was a really good chance UTEP wasn't winning. And if this group is, let's say, six, seven, eight players deep with guys that are all similar in terms of their value, their scoring, their production, you're not going to have to rely on one or two guys or three guys every single game to deliver. You could have a much deeper team and a team that truly de- defines the, the the word team. So, you know, that's what I'm hoping that Joe Golding is building right now. Uh, a group of of players that are not stars or not splash and, and, and top recruits, but get the job done, play his style of ball, and aren't going to have to rely on one or two guys to, to really carry the club every single night the way we've seen the last couple of years. I also think that, you know, when you come to at this with this kind of approach, you eliminate the, the I guess, the one-and-done idea that's over college basketball, which really is, is just only to a small select group of schools. It's your Kentuckys. It's your Dukes of the world, North Carolinas, those those programs have your traditional one-and-done players. Um, but, you know, it goes back to some of these veteran players who are on the current UTEP basketball team. They're already older, quote-unquote, uh, by the NBA scouts measures. So uh, let's just go by the numbers. Only 1.2% of college basketball student-athletes go off and play in the NBA. So the chances are most of these guys on this roster will not be playing at that next level. Or if they do, they'll do it overseas and play professional which a lot of former minors have made a great career of doing. But the point is, if you kind of go in knowing that and knowing that there isn't going to be that one standout player, it's playing for a team, then you throw all the egos aside. You don't have that one focused player. You don't have that guy who you're so reliant on. And in the world of AAU basketball, the world of basketball that we live in right now, everybody's about the ratings. Everybody's about the stars and the numbers. And uh, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a breath of fresh air knowing that Joe Golding's going the other way. When we interviewed Frazier last segment, didn't he sound like a young Alfred Hollins yes. when he was describing his game? I thought Alfred Hollins. The whole time I was thinking, man, this guy is literally Alfred Hollins. Like, verbatim, when we interviewed Alfred Hollins when he joined us with Jills DeConic, like it was exactly yes. like that interview. Exactly right. Except he's played two years, has three years of eligibility left. That's the, that's the only difference. Alfred Hollins, you got for one year, was a graduate. But this, uh, you know, Frazier sounds to me... He's like a young Alfred Holland who hopefully can grow into a role and uh, and have, you know, if not a bigger role than Alfred Holland's had before he was finished at UTEP. Yeah, you could tell he's hungry. Just like some of these other guys. Tay Hardy's hungry. He dealt with injuries. Shamar Givens, he's hungry. He wants to finally win, which he hasn't been able to do at Evansville. You look at Mario McKinney. He wants to see the floor. He wants an opportunity to play, which he didn't get a chance to with the Aggies coming off the bench and not really having that starting role that he had, that he wanted. Wants, uh, down the line. So there are so many guys uh, on this team that have good upside and who are just hungry to to win and to play on the court. That's very encouraging if you're looking at this group. You want to get into the show? We'd love to hear from you. 505-6009 is our telephone number. As minor fans, how important are splash signees for you? When you think about it and you're talking about the stars and what they've done before, how big is that to you? Or do you really not care about that because you know after watching years of Don Haskins basketball that you don't have to be a superstar in order to win here. Would love to get your thoughts on this. 505-6009. Our telephone number of Sports Talk continues. Let's send it back to Adrian right now and get this Sports Center update. 
story, Blake Snell will be in a rehab start tonight for the Chihuahuas, not to mention here in the news also that San Diego is sending down C.J. Abrams, uh, the top prospect, position prospect of the pods to El Paso. So that's big news in itself. Mackenzie Gore started the year in El Paso. He is shining in the San Diego rotation. Good for Gore. Abrams, hey, needs a little seasoning in El Paso. He'll get it, and and, uh, Chihuahuas fans will finally have the opportunity to see one of the best position prospects in the organization uh, play later this week here in El Paso. Yeah, and, and talk about Blake Snell in itself just coming. How how awesome is this for the city of El Paso getting a chance to watch somebody that we got a chance to witness in the World Series yep. just a couple years ago? I mean, uh, this tweet from Tim Haggerty was excellent. Cy Young Award winners to pitch at Southwest University Park include Blake Snell, Corbin Burns, Tim Lincecum, Jake Peavy, and Robbie Ray. I love that list. What a great list that El Pasoans get a chance to watch as far as former Cy Young pitcher, uh, award pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's terrific. So I'm ready to go for tonight. I think that's going to be a lot of fun for uh, Chihuahuas fans. All right. Our phone number again, 505-6009. Or t- uh, you can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. reason I'm asking about Splash Guys is because Carlos Castagnon tweeted the show we need some flashy players too, which brought up the whole idea about the splash for UTEP basketball. I mean, honestly, and, and you want to know something? Tay Hardy could be flashy. Shamar Givens could be flashy. A lot of these guys could have the flash. Um, so could uh, ultimately Jonathan uh, Dos Anjos. Uh, he could have the flash. So that's also possible. But we just, you know, they're not the same caliber of recruit as when Rodney Terry brought in a Sule Boom, a Bryson Williams, a Jamar Bienemy, a Keontae Kennedy. But we've seen how that worked out. They did win 20 last year for Joe, and then they bailed. So we know what that's like. So to be honest, I look at Flash differently than a lot of people. Number one, sometimes Flash wants the ball more than others, and that can ultimately affect the ego and the in the locker room. F- you know, Flash could also be after a couple of years if they don't feel they're getting enough out of here, they'll go someplace else. Which honestly could be anybody in college hoops now with the portal. But more Flash than any than than, than just guys that want to play. I want a lunch pail group. I want blue collar, hardworking, bust their tails, stay after practice, live in the gym, give you everything they've got, and not worrying about filling up stat sheets. That'll come naturally, Adrian. I want a team. I want a team with every definition of a team that could take this UTEP club with Joe Golding and get him back on the map. I think a lot of people wanted the splash guy. Like, I remember Caden Archie when he first uh, committed to UTEP, how crazy people were, even on this show, how excited everybody was that UTEP was getting a mid-year guy from TCU, somebody who was like a uh, you know a top ESPN recruit, top 247 small forward out of the state of Texas, but never really amounted to much in the, in the college ranks, didn't really uh, live up to all the rankings and everybody who projected him to be that next guy in the college basketball world. 
world. Um, I know that UTEP was, and you know this too, that UTEP was after some splash guys this yep. offseason that they they missed out on. They did not get, and you and we can hold UTEP uh, and their staff accountable for missing out on some of these guys. I, I mean, and you know we can list some of the names, but that that's not necessary. One of the other things that I also, uh, you know, you're talking about splash guys, Steve. Uh, other things that they want: scoring opportunities, minutes. Well, they also might want NIL. They might want NIL yes. type of money, and maybe another school offered them way more money when it came to NIL type of money. So, but you're not supposed to. The whole the, the NIL, they just came out with reform yesterday to eliminate that because so many colleges are getting concerned that players hitting the portal are being offered rich, lucrative NIL deals, basically pay for play legally now, which is not the point of NIL, but that's what it's turned into. Now they're trying to uh, squash that before it gets worse. It'll still happen, though. It'll still definitely happen. It's happened all this offseason. It won't go away. NIL will only intensify, and we're just going to get more uglier stories in the next couple years when it comes to NIL and how different schools use that kind of money to bring in recruits, even though they shouldn't, and they're not allowed to do that. What is your take on the whole splash uh, signings versus uh, guys that just fit the profile? You know, I'll tell you this. People are way more invested in the program when they get a splash signing, And, and it's just facts. I mean, if UTEP, uh, if UTEP got Tristan Newton, this show would have been crazy. This show would have been dedicated to Tristan Newton one single day. But it, the fact is, they didn't. They they went out. They went out and got other guys instead of uh, getting Tristan Newton and stuff like that. So as long as they can play, talk to me in November. Talk to me in December. We've been, uh, you know, sold on so many of these guys who are top 100 recruits who never panned out to yep. anything. Let's see you on the court. Let's see what you could do before we uh, talk about anybody. It could be a junior college guy, high school player, Division One transfer, doesn't matter. Let's see how you can play when the lights turn on. I also want Joe Golding to have his kind of team. I want him to have a team of guys that he's that 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 he's been coaching for the last uh, you know 10, 15 years that ultimately when they put on a jersey feels like they fit the mold of what he wants. Remember, he came into this last year, re-recruited everybody, and everybody but Bryson Williams uh, for the most part uh, stayed. And you want to know something? They won 20 games. He got the most out of it, but probably one of the toughest years he's had because of how he had to handle all the egos and the personalities and everybody inside that locker room. Yeah, maybe that's another reason why fans aren't as invested yet. They'll wait till the season starts. They don't. They say, hey, whoever's on the roster, it doesn't matter. We're rooting for Joe Golding. We're rooting for UTEP basketball. We don't really care who's on this team year to year because UTEP fans have to understand they can't get uh, too attached to any of these players True. because it could be year-to-year free agency. They could go with a whole new roster next year. 19 in front of 6. The sports talk continues. We'll come back after ABC 7 continue with plenty more. Tim Haggerty, about 30 minutes away from the ballpark as we continue right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. Deb Hoops and Joe Golding, what we talked about just a moment ago. Uh, Minor Joe tweets the program, did Golding have any splash guys when they beat Texas? Hashtag blue collar. No, they didn't. It's a great point, and you're 100% right about that. JoJo Ortiz um, wants to know about the starting lineup. If we play tonight, he tweets, what would the starting five be? McKinney, Hardy, Sibley, uh, Dos Anjos, Kalu? I don't think so. I think if they started tonight, here's what I would expect. I would expect uh, the backcourt to probably be Hardy and Givens. I think that's probably the two. I do think Sibley would be in there as well. You probably would get Dos Anjos, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Zarek Onyema 
cracks the starting lineup. They love him. They love the work <laughs> he's put in this offseason, and they think he's going to be one of the most improved players in Conference USA next year. Wow, the fans love him. Everybody loves him. Zarek Onyema, the fan favorite. Uh, you know, that's one of the names that doesn't get talked about enough when, when it comes to players returning for next year along with Jamari Sibley. But, yeah, I would I would say those two, uh, Mario McKinney, Take Hardy, and then Dos Anjos kind of rounding out the top five. I, I like that, the starting five. If we had to do a way too early, like I mean a way too early to, uh, starting five, that would probably be mine. Although it's well, going to be hard to take out Shamar Givens out of that starting lineup. See, I put Givens in mine instead of instead of um, you know McKinney, but I, I could see. see. I mean, I could see them both playing in the in the backcourt. The question is, how small does Joe want to go? That's going to be the really interesting thing. Hey, why not have those three small guards? You can have Sibley, who's experienced playing at the four, and then put whoever at the five. You, you could, could do that you too. Go Dos Anjos, or you can go Onyema. You could do that as well. I think that's also a, a fair and valid point. And here's the best part. They still have two more scholarships to give. Who knows what's going to happen between now and the start of the season? Yeah, that's another thing is they could get an immediate impact guy. They can get a guy who's a solidified four yep. and throw him in right away. He could be that Titus Ver- uh, take over that Titus Verhoeven role immediately, and that's probably the last piece that they need, maybe along with a the sharpshooter. They probably need a guy off the bench who could hit some threes for them, although maybe they, they think that they already have one of those. Our pal Oscar, who joined us in our Lubingo studios yesterday in this uh, 5 o'clock hour on Sports Talk, tweeted the show, I'd rather have lower expectations and overachievers than have high expectations of a splash signee that doesn't pan out. That's interesting. That's a really interesting thought thought right there. And I think that that's what minor fans are looking at right now. I just don't I don't know what the temperature is. Do do fan are fans okay on this? They were pushing the panic button just 2 weeks ago when UTEP didn't have a lot of uh, commits coming in. Now they just have two scholarships left. And if you look at this roster right now, I'm just curious to see what other minor fans think if if they share the sentiments that Oscars say or if they do want those splash signees to get them excited about UTEP hoops all the way here in May. Chris Banks 21 tweets the program at 600 ESPN El Paso. I don't think UTEP necessarily needs big time recruits, but UTEP needs to get at least one more D1 transfer who has already proven. I know Givens put up good numbers at Evansville, but we can't be led by a 5'8 guard. We need something more. Don't tell that, Chris. Don't tell that to Earl Boykins. Because based on that terminology, he shouldn't even have made an Eastern Michigan roster, let alone play 12 seasons in the NBA. Yeah, and Shamar Givens is a uh... 510 he clarified yes, exactly. that yesterday so yeah, he said he's not 580 he's 510 yeah and and you know when it comes to handing the keys over to I don't think anybody will be given the keys to the offense I think that again this goes back to our team philosophy the team uh, discussion that we had about Joe Golding and how he wants to create this team I believe it's going to be very team oriented not about just one guy like Givens not just about one guy like Tay Hardy who's mm-hmm. an, another proven double digit score when he had when he had a chance to back at Southern Miss Final 30 next with you. Tim Haggerty will join us as well. Blake Snell on the bump 35 minutes from now. Chihuahua's baseball right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.